Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. vision church. We see that it's largely driven by two words. The first word, a Greek word, ekklesia. It means the gathering together of those called out from the world and those called out to the world. And the second word, diaspero, it means the scattering together of a seed that is dispersed among many diverse places. Church is the gathering together of those called out from the world and to the world, and the scattering together of a seed that is dispersed among many diverse places. So if we're looking today for a definition of what a biblical church is, it's the faithful who choose to be gathered together so they can be scattered together. And 115 times in the New Testament, this word church shows up again and again. You'll find in our New Testament that 16 books of the 27 books of the New Testament were written directly to the church. Seven books were written to an individual, but all of the content inside was to be taught and lived out through the church. Only the four Gospels predate the birth of the church. And yet, all four of them end with the charge to go, to scatter together and make disciples of all nations. And the Gospel of Matthew specifically shares that Jesus' means to accomplish this will be the church that he will build. All 27 books of the New Testament are drenched with this passionate vision that the people who are experiencing the love of God would hold high priority to gather together so that we would go in power to scatter together. Here at the end of 2021, we have a problem on our hands. We have a messed up modern theology of the church. If you were to go out and ask most Christians today, what does it mean to follow Jesus? You get a lot of different answers. Most common what you'd get from people is an answer of a belief system. Things that we have to intellectually hold to be true about God. A worldview. And so if this is our view of what it means to follow Jesus, then our goal is to pray a prayer and to believe the right things. For many people, if you ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus, they will point you to a morality system, a lifestyle of practices, of things we should commit or things we should omit. 
And if that's what it means to follow Jesus, then the goal is to order your life to practice the right things. And for many hundreds of years, these two, believing the right things, orthodoxy, and practicing the right things, orthopraxy, have been talked about within the church. You ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Some will point you to the depth of peace they feel in a personal relationship with Jesus. A peace that gives them the strength to face each day. And so they read their Bible, and they go to church, and they listen to worship music because it lifts them up, and it gets them through their week. And if that's what it means to follow Jesus, then the goal is to obtain resources and tools to develop a friendship with Jesus. You ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? There are a few. It would point you to the answers that it includes a family to belong to, a community where I'm seen and loved and supported, my true friends. If that's what it means to follow Jesus, then our goal is to have a calendar full of social opportunities where we can connect with other Christians. And I want you to understand this morning that each of these questions of what it means to follow Jesus, each of them carry aspects that are beautiful and good and true. But all of them, as a complete foundation to build the church on, is disastrous for two reasons. The first problem is this. Those are all only about me. It's only how it affects me, how it helps me, what it does for me. And certainly before our faith can be anything, it has to be ours. And Jesus does see us individually, and he does meet us personally. Jesus does transform what we believe and what we practice on the earth. He does fill us with hope and lead our week to peace. He does place us in a family where we're seen and valued and loved. But listen to me. The burning desire of his heart is that he would fill you so greatly that he overflows out into a life that's anything but self-serving. That we would be the people that would reorder our very lives to be joyously self-sacrificing for the world to experience him. Can I be honest this morning? Many of the modern attitudes we have about the church are more reflective of the individualistic, consumer, a la carte culture we're in than the Holy Spirit who's in us. We pick and choose our own life rhythms and our commitments all based on how it will serve me, how it will fit me. How does my church feed me? How do I like the teaching or the worship or the calendar of events? And we connect at levels that feel good for me. As you go out on the street and talk to Christians, many of them talk about their church this way. They say, well, I go to or I watch so-and-so's church because so-and-so is such a great teacher. Or I go to such-and-such church because such-and-such worship team, man, they bring the fire. I want to tell you that sounds dangerously close to me like I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. And when the next spectacle comes online or to town and we see cracks within our church, many are flocking elsewhere. Back to the end of 2021, Many of the faithful who love Jesus are leaving the church altogether. We need a definition of the church that's bigger than me. There's a second problem with all of our definitions. It's this. 
If we believe that following Jesus means that we have to believe the right things and practice the right things, and we just need tools and resources for my personal relationship with Jesus, and I just need to get in a family where I can be with other Christians that builds me up, it gives us a church, it builds a church that is insulated and impotent. When we get all with people who believe like us and live like us and think like us, and we fill our calendars just having our best life together, and Christian Bible study, and Christian care group gathering, and Christian social activities, there's a problem. I want you to hear me. We need Christian community. We don't need Christian communes. There is a difference. When our heart and our energy and our schedules only have room for people who are already walking with Jesus, we miss the call of what Jesus meant for us to be the church it gathers together so we could scatter together to transform lives and transform regions. When we stay inside the four walls of the church, largely so does the love and power of God we were meant to carry. And good news that's extended only to a few isn't good news at all. Now, I don't think any Christians actually desire this to be where we are. But as I've watched and as I've labored, I have to tell you, for the most part, I believe how we've approached church the last 150 years in the West is not helping people discover their identity with confidence or deploy them into their mission with competence. And a big reason is because the whole structure has been built on a faulty foundation of self. Now, I love Jesus' church. She's not a building of laser light show services. She's not a civic club of social events and self-betterment classes. No, the scripture says that she's a bride who faithfully gathers together in adoration and praise of our bridegroom to remember and to rejoice in the name above every name. The church, she's a bride, but the church, she's also a body that's diversely gifted with members who are each vital to faithfully scatter together as each one of us discovers and deploys the unique glory we were meant to carry to the ends of the earth to bring many sons and daughters home. The church, she gathers faithfully and she scatters fervently. She is sent. And I have to tell you this morning that I am so expectant because I'm watching the Spirit of the Lord stir the church in our city. And I'm talking about the church with a big C. We've come together this morning to agree with heaven that Jesus is redeeming and reviving and releasing the vision of his church for Brandon, the Bay, and the beyond. And we are going to see it with our own eyes. But what I also have to say with that this morning is I come a little bit fired up. I know some things that start to happen in my heart when God is stirring something within me and I just can't shut up about it. In fact, a few of this, you this week called me to ask an entirely different question. And I want to thank you for your grace because what you heard about is how the church needs to gather faithfully and scatter fervently. And thank you for your grace in that. Because right now, what I can see from the Lord is a blueprint of what the bride is called to be. The Overflow Church is God's church, and I believe in this hour he is speaking very clear revelation for how we're to live it out, and I am not willing to passively let us pick and choose the parts that feel good for us while leaving the mission of being the sent church on the shelf. So in the weeks ahead, I want to share and equip in a series called Sent. And as we walk together in this series, today we're going to talk about why Jesus came in the first place, why he was sent, and why he's sending you. 
In the weeks ahead, we're going to look at what it would look like because most of us are stretched too thin to be sent, and so we need to declutter our overcommitted souls and reclaim our best yes. We're going to talk about what it means for you to live as a missionary. That's what the Bible says we are. We're strangers and aliens and foreigners, sojourners who've come to this place on mission, and we'll look at what it would actually meant for you to be sent across the street as a missionary. We're going to look at what it would mean for us in community when we come together and regions actually change for the gospel. Then we're going to look at what it means because there's a unique glory that's in you, a five-fold glory. And if that doesn't make sense, don't worry, in a few weeks it will. There's a glory that's in you that God wants to release upon planet Earth today. And finally, we're going to end in this uh, service together with a commissioning of all of our church to walk and to be sent. And I want to say this with love, but I want to say it with conviction. If you're hearing my voice right now, in person, online, on our podcast, you need to be here the next weeks. If Overflow Church is your home, you need to participate in these messages. We're going to share in the weeks ahead a lot of hope. We're going to share the clearest strategy we have ever had. Last week, we talked about how I was celebrating my 20 years here at Overflow Church, which is so amazing. I want to tell you this. In 20 years, this is the clearest strategy. I'm speaking for the elders, pastors, and fivefold leaders. This is the clearest strategy we've ever had for what it looks like for us as a church to grow together and to go together. And it's going to require some courageous realigning of our yes. Some of what I'm going to share in the weeks ahead may be hard to hear. Some of it, as I've had to look at it, was hard for me to see. So I want you to say something with me this morning. Say this. Say, if the shoe fits, I'll kick it off. It's not mine to wear. And if you step on my toes, I'll move my feet. Is that all right? Because I want you to understand that what I want to share this morning is not a word of frustration pointing at the church. I certainly don't want to come to the faithful and point at. I don't have a word of frustration at the church. I have a word of deep faith pouring out my life in the church and for the church because we have this moment right now where we have the ball and we get to represent our king on planet earth. So I don't want to share anything to make anybody angry, but we are going to share some things to call the bride to be awake. And we're never going to make sense of our calling as Christians to follow Jesus or our calling as a church if we miss the word sent. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. He said, I seek only the will of the Father who sent me. Again in John 7, he says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And then a little bit later he says, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. And I have to tell you, as I've been studying the word of God on this word sent, I was shocked to see that Jesus showing up and saying that he was sent by the Father shows up a whopping 110 times in the New Testament. Every time Jesus opens his mouth to speak, he defines himself, his whole life, being sent by the Father. There's one other place this word is used a lot in the New Testament. It's for us. Jesus sent the 12. Jesus sent the 72. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In 88 times in the New Testament, the church is referred to as the sent people. So this morning, I want to ask the question, why did the Father send Jesus, and why is he sending us? Before I do that, I just want to pray for us. Can we pray together? Father, I ask in the minutes ahead, we invite you to realign anything that you want to realign, because truly, Lord, we don't want to live a life 
where we feel we're living on the shelf. We want all of what you have. And so now in Jesus' name, I command for any heaviness, for any place that we'd have anything but expectancy and faith and joy, every other voice than yours would be silent, that we would hear you. If you agree with that, say amen. Why was Jesus sent? First is this. Jesus was sent to seek and find you. Luke chapter 10. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Again, when Jesus is talking in parables in Luke chapter 15, he starts telling this story about a woman who's lost a coin in her house, and he says this, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the whole house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her her friends together and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And in the same way, I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In Luke chapter 15, he continues with two other parables, one about lost sheep and one about a lost son. But what they all hold in common is this. When someone who loves realizes something precious is lost, they stop everything. They turn on every light. They travel every square inch of the horizon. They pay every price to find it. And when they find it, they celebrate. In the same way for Jesus to find you, for Jesus to find me, he had to be willing to be sent, to leave a place of security and comfort to say that there is no room too dark, no distance too far, no price too great, no transgression too hopeless, that he wouldn't burst into the town and the tomb that you find yourself locked in and spend the currency of himself to find you. And if you're in Christ this morning, you're found. If you're in Christ, you're found. And the Bible says that he rejoices over us with singing. Did you know that heaven is still partying at your homecoming? Did you know that? In fact, I want to do this this morning. For just a minute, I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. And I want to ask you this question. How far did Jesus go to find you? Do you remember? Where were you when Jesus found you? What words would you use to describe you before Jesus bursted in? I'm just asking right now, with your eyes closed, that you would get a vision of yourself before Jesus. Where were you? Were you broken? Or lost? Scared? Were you alone? Self-hating? What does it mean that he found you? While you're here, I just want to ask an honest question, and if the shoe fits, kick it off. But does it presently consume and move you that you've been found? Does that consume the best of your thoughts every day? Or is there somewhere in your life that if you're being honest, you need to let him find you all over again? right now you're overwhelmed, that your life is off track, you're stressed out because you're trying to go alone carrying burdens that you were never intended to bear. Maybe this morning you're looking and you're saying, you know what, I feel a heaviness because I do feel like my life, I didn't mean for it to be, but I feel my life is more shaped by the culture I'm in than the Holy Spirit that's in me. And I want to say to you, if that's you this morning, Jesus is in your town. He's standing right before you. 
He's saying there's no distance I wouldn't go in this moment to find you. It's not that he finds us once. It's that he finds us continually. And if you find yourself in this moment saying, there's some place, Lord, where you have a fuller life for me and I need you to come find me, I just challenge you to cry out the words of Revelation 2 to say, Father, somewhere I forgot my first love. Somewhere I need you to find me because I want to come back and do the things I did at first. I want to be caught in the wonder again of what it is for you to find me. Where do you need to let Jesus find you all over again? Jesus came to seek you and to find you. And you can open your eyes. Second reason Jesus came. He didn't just come to seek and to find, but Jesus came to save and to fill you. In there in Luke 19, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Many of us know the verse John 3.16, most popular verse that's memorized. But the next verse is one of my favorites, where it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word salvation or saved is one of the richest words in our New Testament. The word is sozo, and it's not just a prayer that you pray so that you get to heaven one day. The word salvation means to completely rescue and heal, to completely deliver and restore, and to make whole again today. What Jesus had in mind in Luke chapter 4 when he said this, I was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to rescue and restore and transform you and to transform me. And if anyone is in Christ, they are a completely new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And he came to fill us with so much joy and hope and peace that it would be beyond our ability to contain. That his church would be known with a gladness and grace and generosity that would look nuts to the world. But does it? I have to tell you, in 24 years of ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've had the opportunity to sit in a room like this and lead and led from a room where all I found myself doing was begging for a pulse of passion and expectancy and faith, where after the service, I had to walk back in the prayer room just to be happy with Jesus again for a minute. Because what I felt like I was at at the church was more like a funeral or a pep rally for the losing team. Now, I don't know what kind of high school you went to, but that was my high school. We still had the pep rallies. We still dressed up in the clothes. The band still played. We knew all the songs, but nobody expected to win. If I could be honest, too many times as I've walked and led in the church, it felt like the pep rally for the losing team. And at some of those times where I've cried out to say, where's the expectancy? I've been told, well, we don't all express joy the same way. And told further, it's especially men. Men are more reserved and they're not comfortable expressing themselves. I got a problem with that. Because each week all across our nation, there are football stadiums full of men who are paying to come. <laughs> who never have to be told over the loudspeaker, we all express ourselves in different ways. No, they tailgate for hours, they paint their bodies, they high-five, they scream, and yes, men, they dance. So maybe it's time we stop selling ourselves that one. 
maybe the reason football fans go nuts because they feel like they're actually part of the team. You ever listen to an avid football fan? It's kind of funny because you'd think they'd expect their signing bonus for where they've just come on with the team. <laughs> when they talk from their couch, you hear them and everything they have to say is about our team. They talk and they say, man, our off offensive weapons, they're insane. Oh, man, our secondary, it needs to recover. We just need to get healed from these injuries. And, man, we've got to stop committing these dumb penalties. And if you couldn't tell in the last three, yes, I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Football fans, they get fired up. They sit for hours in front of the TV, and if the game they watch runs long, they get even happier. What the heck could happen if that happened in the church? Where we got to the places like, we're going to run long today, and everybody's, woo, yeah! Overtime! For a true football fan, when the game's over, is that the end of it? Do they check the box and go about their week? Absolutely not. After the game is over, they watch sports shows, they track stats, they listen to podcasts, and they talk with their friends all week in anticipation for our next game. They're confident, and they're actively connected to something exciting. And here's where the problem is. Often those same men are invited into a church where they've been told to sit and observe and respond instead of to be sent to overflow and rescue. But i got to tell you something. I've watched many times in the last 24 years the minute something clicks for a son or daughter of God, and suddenly they see they weren't called to be on the sideline of anything, but God called them into the game. And suddenly, when they get this active sense of faith they've been sent in, they cannot shut up. If you want to know what I'm talking about after the service, go talk to Sarah Rivera. You'll see exactly what I mean. When somebody comes in and they're like, God is moving in my city and through my life, they have to move and it changes everything. Listen to me. Jesus was sent to save you and fill you so that we would get in the game. And for someone this morning, your prayer needs to be Psalm 51:12 that says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because I'm in a haze and I'm tired of just getting by. And I need the joy of my salvation because I haven't been called to sit on the sidelines, but to be in the game. Jesus was sent to save you and to fill you. But listen, there's a third one, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus was sent to send and fulfill you. At the end of his life on earth in John chapter 20, Jesus says these words to the disciples. He, he said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He was sent so you would be. Romans chapter 8 says he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And right now, even as you hear my voice, there are many places in our city that are dark right now. There are places right now, even within a stone's throw of where we sit, Homes of abuse and addiction, of drugs and violence, sexual sin and shame, spirits of depression, suicide, greed, famine, sex trafficking, yes, in our city, despair. And all of this is going on with people who are not our enemies, because my Bible tells me that we will never have an enemy of flesh and blood. What's actually happening all across our city right now and the groaning and the anger and everything you can see on social media, Romans 8, 19 tells you exactly what you're seeing. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God 
to be revealed. They are groaning to find their way back to the Father through us, through you. God is sending you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says this, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Why? Because he's sending you, not your pastors, not those who've been to seminary, not the spiritual elite, not a few rock stars. No, he's ready to reveal you to you, son and daughter, so that he can reveal you to them. And the time has come in the church where we would discover the authority that's in us. That when we walk in intimacy and hear what the Father is saying from heaven and from that place, agree with him and declare it on earth, that we pull heaven to earth in that place. That's what the Lord's Prayer means when it says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an authority in you and in us that if we would gather together and scatter together, we would see glory upon our city. There are marriages right now that are ready to be saved in our city. There are addictions that are ready to be broken in our city. There are depressed teens that are ready to be fathered and to find purpose in our city. And there are stories that are ready to be rewritten in our city. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are we to preach unless we are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. The Father sent Jesus to send you. And I want to tell you with a wealth of love this morning, only that will fulfill you. You will not be fulfilled by discovering the American dream. You will not be fulfilled by living in a consumer what's in it for me church. You will not be fulfilled with a bloated calendar of entertainment and comfort and gadgets. You were saved to be sent in all of your mess right now, in all of your unfinished, in all of your unfigured out. Christ in you is the hope of glory today to receive and release the Father's love. And I just want you to know that your spirit, the true you, won't rest until you're on the front lines and the mission that's been made only for you. And along the way, you will experience amazing spiritual breakthroughs. You will be filled with hope. You will grow in friendship and intimacy with Jesus. You will belong in a family that sees you and loves you and walks with you, but not for ourselves so we can be sent. I want to say as a declaration speaking for our elders and pastors and fivefold leaders this morning that Overflow Church will not be an attractional church where a few paid and volunteer rock stars put on a Sunday show and fill our calendars with events inside our walls anymore. The last two and a half years, we've been aligning and streamlining everything we do for this purpose, that you would discover the glory in you, that you would develop it in community that you would be discipled, and that we would deploy us to release the love and power of God in Brandon, the Bay, and beyond. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to release clarity on how we can actually simplify our crazy lives and give God our best yes. 
We're going to share how you can live as a missionary to the people right across the street or the people right in your family, to your world, and see God actively changing lives, not through someone else, but through you, in a way that's not churchy or spiritual, but you just pouring out in a way that Jesus flows through you the way he always meant for you to be. We're going to see how we transform our region through community. We're going to see how you can discover and deploy unique gifts that are in you every day. Over these next weeks, there's also going to be a place where we're going to have to boldly choose to lay down the distraction of where we've been scattered everywhere else alone and faithfully prioritize being the church that would gather and scatter together. This morning, my call is simple. Jesus was sent to seek and save and send you. And I believe right now there is somebody hearing the sound of my voice that even as we're going right now, what you're feeling is your heart is beginning to stir with an expectancy. Right now, you feel like the coach is starting to call you and say, hey, it's time to get in the game. There's something more. Right now, you're starting to say, what if my life actually could be that? What if I could actually be active for my king every single day? Maybe right now you're running and you're like, I've been, I've been doing it faithfully, but I know there's more and I know there's an anointing. Maybe you're saying, I don't know how. But I'm ready this morning to cross a line to say, just like the prophet of the Old Testament, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm going to ask if you'd close your eyes with me. Our call to response this morning is going to look a little bit different. I want to ask this question. Where is God stirring your heart right now? Would you say to him, Lord, I, I don't want to live a life that's all about me. I don't want to live a life that's all about my comfort and my gadgets and my problems. God, I don't want to pursue the American dream anymore. I've been trying to chase this ladder of all these things, all this money and resources and promotions, all these things I've been told I need and I'm seeing right now that I could chase them all down and they'll still be hollow. Lord, you made me so that you would seek me and find me and save me and fill me and send me and only that is going to fulfill me. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know how I'll do it. But right now, my heart is beating within me. And Lord, I'm saying, here I am. I want all the days of my life for you to grow me in confidence. I'm ready to change whatever I need to change in my schedule, in my soul. Whatever you're saying, Lord, wherever you're going, I want to go with you. I'm ready to be sent. That's you. I just want to ask this question this morning. What is it that's stopping you? What is it it that's standing in the way? Maybe there's a fear that's there like, man, I'm ready to move, but I just don't want to give in to hype, something stirring, but I've done this before and I've stood before and I'm just not sure. You need to lay down a fear to know that when you agree with the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I promise you from heaven this morning what he's saying is, son, daughter, beloved son and daughter, it's time to be sent. If you agree with him, something happens there. You need to lay down fear. Is there a place where you need to lay down some faulty treasure that right now you're wanting to respond in expectancy but you're feeling a sense of guilt or shame because you're saying this other thing has gripped my life. Maybe right now you're looking and you're like, I feel like a chump. I feel like where I've gone with my time and my resources. Why haven't I seen this before? I say there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. May shame go far from you. But right now before I ask you to do another thing, if you've been chasing a faulty treasure, would you just lay it down? Jesus, this thing's never going to fulfill me. I'm not going to chase it anymore, period. 
We don't need to have a pity party. We don't need to have a crying session. Jesus, I'm leaving this thing here. I'm ready to be sent. Just like the disciples with their nets that had one life of fishing for fish, and it was time to fish for men. They only had to do one thing. They just had to drop their nets and follow him. What are the nets Jesus is calling you just to lay down this morning? Maybe this morning you don't even know what it is, but you say, I just feel like I'm in a funk. Everything you're saying, I know intellectually I want it. I know I want it, but I'm having a hard time feeling it. I want to remind you that's why we hold this value at Overflow Church of Expectancy, that we choose to elevate God's faithfulness above our feelings. So wherever you are today, regardless of what you're feeling, if you would stand at the place to say, I'm ready in this next season of my life not to sit on the sidelines, I'm ready to be sent. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I'm ready to hear God's calling for me because I want to spend my entire life leading people to the king who's changed everything for me. If that's you with every other eye closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet because I want to pray an anointing over you. If you are ready to be sent, I'm going to ask you to stand. Say, I don't want my life to be about me anymore. I don't want consumer Christianity. You might be at a place right now where you already are actively sent and you know the Lord's just saying, hey, there's a place where I got more for you today. I'm going to ask you to stand to join your brothers and sisters as we pray. And what I saw from the Lord in this moment is just to pray an anointing of you, of the armor of God upon you. And so now, Father, I pray for each of these that you would give a revelation that you have given them the helmet of salvation. It's not just that we pray a prayer that one day a heavenly Uber is coming to take us home. No, Lord, now, today you have come to completely restore, to completely renovate, to completely renew, to completely heal, to completely deliver. And so I speak over them right now where there have been patterns in their mind that have tied them up. I speak over them the helmet of salvation. Holy Spirit, may you come over their minds and anoint them right now that they would see the fullness of what you purchased in a way they've never seen before. Not for them to figure out, not for them to think any deeper. I just ask right now, if you put your hand there on your head, I ask right now for the Spirit of God to come in and infiltrate past your mind, past anything you can know intellectually because he gave you a love beyond comprehension. Lord, may you baptize them with your love where you've come. May you fill us that our mind would fully see the world through the lens of your restoration. I pray for any Debbie Downer or Eeyore spirit within the church to go. Any place we walk around pessimistic like the glass is half full. No, the glass is overflowing. It is finished. You did it all. You paid it all. Restoration is our inheritance. I speak it over you in Jesus' name. Put your hand there on your heart. I just speak over you right now the breastplate of his righteousness. That in Christ, he has made you back into who you were always meant to be. And listen, the world has never seen another one of you. You don't need to walk out of these doors and try to be me. You need to walk out of these doors because, listen, creation is groaning right now. Your world is groaning for the revealing of you. Christ in you. I speak over you that in the days ahead, you're going to see things that have always been true about you. And where you've been deflecting them or not recognizing them, you're going to see the gift of Christ in you. 
Suddenly you're gonna find yourself doing things that don't even make sense to you why it's such a big deal to everybody else. But you're gonna stop arguing and you're gonna do it. And Jesus is gonna pour through you in unique and powerful ways. I wanna speak a word over you that your world, the people you're sent to, you're sent to them because they need you. Christ in you is sufficient. Christ in you is a majority. I speak over you now the belt of truth. That as Jesus leads you, as you go out into an angry culture, that a lot of times they're restless and groaning sounds like restlessness and anger and offense, and they're being tossed back and forth in the waves because what they need to see is the God of all truth. I speak over you that his truth rests upon you. May it guide you, may it be an anchor for your soul so that when you go to people that are less than pleasant, may you not be offended or hurt. May you see them with the eyes of your Father. I speak over you the gift of perseverance, that you can stay in it for the long haul. It's a word they spoke over us as foster parents. They said, listen, we don't want you to go as a foster parent and just be a flash in the pan, where you go crazy and say, I'm gonna take 10 kids into my home, but then after that one reunification, you can never do it again. They said, be in it for the long haul. I speak over you, child of God, be in it for the long haul. And if you've been on the sidelines, there's somebody right now hearing my voice, listen, you're a giant in the faith. You're a giant in the faith. And something happened in life or circumstance. There's not even anything to blame, but you've been on the sidelines. And I hear your father saying, it's time to rise, son. It's time to rise, daughter. We're in the last days where the young men and the young women and the old men and the old women, we all together walk in unity and we're all sent. So I speak to you, if you're that giant in the kingdom and you've been wrestling with guilt, I speak to you the belt of truth right now. May guilt and shame go far from you. Rise up, gird up your loins, know who you are. Reassume your position. I speak over you, child of God, the shield of faith. That as accusations and attacks come against you, that as your feelings can be all over the map, that you would have a new awareness how to walk in an expectancy. I'm asking right now for heaven the gift of faith, that you would be able to trust the promises of God in a way you've never been able to trust them before. That somehow it won't even make sense in your mind. You'll say, six months ago, this would have wrecked me. But right now, I just know that my God is always working for my good. I know he's doing something on my behalf. I speak over you the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I want to remind your heart right now, the word of God, even more than being your Bible, Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the one who goes with you. When you walk every step that you take, it's Christ in you. And I speak to you, somebody this morning, you've been at a place where it comes to the word of God itself, the Bible, and it's been dry or confusing or boring, or you've only read it with guilt. And I speak over you right now in Jesus' name. If this is you, just hold your hands out. I'm asking right now in Jesus' name that he comes and brings a, a renewal and a freshness upon you, that you will read his word with anticipation and joy and grace. And all I'm gonna ask, I just wanna rejoice with you when it happens. So if this is you, when it happens, please come back and tell us as your church to say, that was me, Jesus did it. I gotta tell you, that's what happened in my life. Is that in a single moment, I said, God, I wanna know your word and it's all dry and I, and I can't get it. And it comes with lots of effort and he just unlocked it. May God unlock his word for you that it's your joy and your inheritance. And finally, beloved child, I speak over you the shoes of the gospel of peace. 
with every step you walk, you don't walk to tell people about a God who's angry with them. You tell them about a God who adores them, a God who bankrupted heaven, who left a place of comfort and security because he was gonna burst and say there's no price too high and no distance too far, no transgression too deep, that he wouldn't burst into the tomb in the town they were in to find them. And now he calls you. So you, beloved one, as you're standing there, would you just say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. There's no price too great. There's no distance too far. There's no yes too crazy. I will go wherever you're sending me. I ask right now, Father, that you would anoint each of your sons and your daughters. Would you refresh? Would you restore? Would you renew? we close, I'm going to ask anyone seated just to stand as we can close together in a blessing. Father, I'm asking that in the days and the moments ahead that you would speak to us, that you would comfort our hearts, that we would not receive anything as a word of heaviness, but we would walk as your sent people. And Jesus, we agree with your vision and your blueprint for Overflow Church that we will be a sent church, that we will be a church that is gathered together so we can be scattered together. Our eyes are on you. We ask you now to completely fill us. If you agree with that, say amen.